Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Find out about new shows, featured guests, and what's up this week. Find us on Facebook by searching keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They are creating businesses that really add value to others, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, Inspiration for the Entrepreneurial Mind with Chris Cooper. If you're looking for ways to develop your entrepreneurial spirit while you contribute to a better world, you'll want to stay tuned for the next hour. Now, here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello there, this is Chris Cooper of, of BeMoreAchieveMore.com, and it's great to be back on the show again this week. Um, if you enjoy the show, please do visit our new Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash BeMoreAchieveMore and uh, click the like button, and this way it will enable us to keep you up to date on future shows. Um, you can also suggest topics to us, ask questions, enter discussions, etc. It would be fantastic to engage with you, so please do go and like that page. Now, over the last week, um, I've been away and I was actually on a course with a company called Talent Dynamics and I had the opportunity to reflect on my business. It's sometimes just great to take some time out. And I was with several business experts who were also delegates. Uh, One was a lady called Helen Irwin. And I've personally known Helen for 20 years, and she's quite honestly a global branding phenomena. Until recently, Helen's strategy was to remain a best-kept secret, and she was acted at the very highest levels for many of the world's leading branded businesses. Um, this is because they see a full potential branding concept to be a major competitive advantage. Now, I'm delighted that I've managed to persuade her to do a world first and share some of her philosophy in public on this show on the 25th of May, obviously uh, keeping lots of confidentiality for customers, but just sharing some of the key philosophies. Um, She's a real trusted advisor. I was also this week interviewed myself um, by Alan Stevens, who's a very trusted advisor in the media world. He's often on the TV and the radio in the United Kingdom. He also advises top firms globally on media. Um, He will be advising us with Paul de about speaking in public on the 1st of June. And he interviewed me on his media show. Uh, it's available at http uh, uh, semicolon double slash mediacoach.libsyn.com. Now, this show that Alan produces every week has over 27,000 business executives downloading it. And I myself, I've also been acting as a trusted advisor this week. I've spent uh, four sessions mentoring senior business clients individually and then had a group of entrepreneurs uh, by a teleseminar uh, before working with a company called Positive Ground, who are my trusted advisors when it comes to social media, as I have lots to learn in that area. So people look for trusted advisors who can help them. Trusted advisors also look for trusted advisors. Are you getting the pattern? Because... Trusted advisor status is really, really important. 
In fact, it's the essential ingredient to transforming your sales results. Now, when it comes to sales transformation and guidance on how to become a trusted advisor, many people look to our guest today, Bob Nichols Jr., and his company, Axiom Salesforce Development, as their trusted advisors. Bob has 34 years of experience in sales, sales management, executive management, and Salesforce development. He's managed and mentored literally thousands of salespeople, sales managers, and senior managers, and been responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars in sales. For over 21 years now, he's developed and delivered sales programs. He's worked with, uh, and which have become the standard for many Fortune 100 companies, such as AT&T and Bell South, ESPN. And Axiom programs have now been implemented in over 30 countries. Bob's lectures and workshops are known for being really exciting, highly interactive, and have resulted in featured presentations at dozens of national and international sales meetings and conferences. Bob is the original developer of Axiom's Selling Sciences program, and his new book, The Journey to Sales Transformation, uh, 25 Axioms to Achieve Trusted Partner Status with Your Customers, and it's available via all major online book retailers. So, Bob Nichols, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. You're very welcome indeed, and I hope where you are, it's a little bit warmer than here. We've just got a bank holiday about to start, and apparently it's going to be colder here than it was over the Christmas period. I am sitting in sunny, sunny Florida, so I'm quite warm today. <laughs> very nice indeed. So, so, Bob, could we start by maybe talking through some of the common problems that companies face when it comes to sales performance? Absolutely, Chris. I'll tell you, I'm going to make a pretty bold statement and say, that that sales is the most broken of business functions today, and, and that's really bad news. The good news is that means it has the greatest opportunity for improvement. Now, I know our listeners are probably familiar with the problems and, and consistent sales performance. The first one is exactly that. It's the sales roller coaster, uh, the inconsistency of sales performance. The second problem is as we, as we continue to see competition build, there's a significant problem with differentiation. How do we make our products and services, how do we make ourselves different in the marketplace? That, by the way, produces tightened or, or falling margins if we can't differentiate. Then we have the common 80-20 rule, and that's where 80% of our sales are produced by 20% of our people. And the last is the high cost of sales turnover. And it's funny, Chris, because most of these problems go back to the same root cause. It begins with this, this idea that selling is an innate skill. You find somebody with an outgoing personality, aggression is a character trait. You give them some product knowledge, and you put them on the street to sell. Well, the challenge is if there is no process by which they succeed, people try to figure it out on their own. Um, uh, the, the good ones find methodologies by which they sell. And frankly, get this, Chris, a lot of people don't care how people sell as long as they produce results, and that's saving moral and ethical concerns. So that's what happens. When, when, when you see um, in most companies, organizations where uh, salespeople, less than 50% of salespeople are meeting quota, that is a huge problem. So, so you, are you saying it, it becomes a problem when people are not making their quotas as, as opposed to, for, for the business, that's when, they, when it becomes a problem to them. But what they're also not doing is making sure that it's being done in an ethical way. Is, is right. it only well, highlighted when the results are not coming in? I mean, right. It's, the, it's, this, it's this position that it's a people profession. You know? and, and it's funny because when you look at what we manage in business, we really manage three things. We manage people, process, and structure. 
All three are important. All three are critical. All three have to be managed. If I ask people what of the three is the highest priority, most of them say it's people, especially in the sales profession. Well, here's the challenge, and I, I disagree with that. The most important element is process. I have an obligation as a manager of a business to produce, implement a logical, repeatable process by which my salespeople succeed. If I don't, what I can do, Chris, is take really good, capable people who have the intellectual depth, the wherewithal, the drive, the desire, put them into a flawed process and structure, and they'll fail, and I'll blame them for not succeeding. That's a major problem. It's not a people problem. It is a process problem. So it, 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 the, the, the lack of sales performance really begins with the fact that people, once again, see this as a people profession. It's not. It is just like any other part of your business that produces consistent results. If you look at accounting or inventory control, all of those business elements are clearly defined by business process. Selling isn't, and that creates a problem because when salespeople try to figure it out on their own, most of them can't. Most of them don't succeed. That's why over half, in a lot of cases, don't make quota. Do you see the natural style of a salesperson is to be people orientated and therefore potentially for uh, people who have that sales orientation that their blind spot is actually systems and therefore they don't necessarily see the importance of it? Exactly right. You know, I mean, it's a, a lot of people think that salespeople are born. You know, you got the outgoing personality. You're 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 a, you're a born salesperson. And while there are people who sell on personality, sell on that smile, uh, uh, you know, sell by being your friend. Unfortunately, it doesn't produce consistent results. It has to be. We have to define that logical, repeatable process by which we succeed. And by the way, you mentioned becoming a trusted partner. Y- yes, indeed. Yeah, it's dependent upon the same thing, defining the process by which you become a trusted partner. Sure, sure. Uh, so, so, okay, so, I mean, and some of that, so that process to become a trusted partner is a different process to the sales process, or is it integral? Well, it's integral. You know, as a matter of fact, it's, it's funny. We, we, we think about how most salespeople approach prospects. Most salespeople approach, pro, approach prospects with their products and services. They, they literally are, are peddling products and services. The challenge there, there's an African proverb, Chris, that, that says, to a man with an ax, everything looks like a tree. So when I go into someone's business and I'm peddling product, all I see are problems associated with what my product can solve, Right. And that's, that's not the way to become a trusted advisor. I want you to think about what customers are actually thinking about. When I approach a customer, they're thinking about their business goals, their plans, their strengths, their weaknesses, their challenges, their opportunities. It's funny, when we ask salespeople during a, a, a sales process or a decision process with their customers, how much time they think their customers spend dedicated to the evaluation of their particular solution, most say, well, well gosh, probably less than 1%. So I say to them, well, where do they spend the other 99% of their time? They spend the other 99% of their time running their businesses, thinking about their goals, their plans, their vision. We can no longer be product peddlers and expect to become a trusted partner. We've got to know their business first and then apply our products and services to make certain we're helping them get to where they want to go with their business. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more. So actually when, when somebody comes in to see them, actually being able to feel from the other side that this is somebody who genuinely wants to help me with my business and cares about my problems, 
that's the kind of feeling your customer has to have, don't they, to start to see you as a trusted advisor, somebody who they welcome into the room because they know they're going to receive some value from. Exactly right. You know, sometimes if we go knocking on doors with our trusty axe, the door can open and the customer can say, hallelujah, it's the axe man. I mean, if we're, sometimes we're that lucky, right? But most mm-hmm. times when we approach, approach customers, they're unaware of the problems that, 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 that they have that we can, we can solve. And, and by the way, so are we. So once again, I don't want to just look at those things that my axe will chop. As a matter of fact, I want to put my axe down. I want to leave it in the car. When I walk into somebody's business, if I'm going to become a trusted partner, I want to know them first. Forget the products. Forget the services that you sell. If I'm going to become that partner, I've got to make certain that I'm finding ways in which I have greater impact than others I'm competing against. And by the way, can find ways in which that impact can be measured for the customer so they have a way to to judge how valuable I am as a partner. Sure. So, so the the counter really opposite of that, uh, of of that what what you've just described there is is the behaviours that you might see when people are, and salespeople are getting it wrong. Right. You know, <laughs> that makes sense. W- w- exactly. Exactly right. And you and you made a a key statement there when you talked about behaviours, right? You know, when when you become a trusted partner, you really really have to change the way in which you behave. Uh, a lot of people believe that selling is a numbers game. You know, you just throw a lot of stuff out there. Well, I mentioned a moment ago that in a lot of companies, less than half of salespeople are meeting quota. And that's not acceptable. So what happens is people throw numbers at them saying, you know, you have to propose more. You have to see more customers. You have to submit more proposals. And frankly, the idea is the more you throw at the wall, the more that sticks. And that's not the way to become a trusted partner. Throwing numbers at a wall or throwing proposals at customers is not what makes that happen. So the first behavior that we see that is wrong is treating this as simply nothing more than a numbers game. Get a lot of proposals on the street. Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just, I was just thinking that you know, uh, some of my background, I know you know Bob, has been in sales training. And I mm-hmm. spend a lot of time with salespeople in my job, actually in the bars, the confectionery firm and, and since. And, and I've spent time observing salespeople going into sales calls. And you know, one of the things that has sort of frustrated me is when a salesperson goes into a call and they've got a number in mind of how much they want to get out of that client or customer, which is, which is a, a percentage of the number that they've been given to deliver. Right. It's just, it's just the wrong attitude. Absolutely right. You know, we have to realize that in business, the amount of money you put in your pocket is directly related to the amount of impact you have on someone else's life or business, right? If you go in in focused on the number first, unfortunately, that's self-defeating. It unfortunately doesn't promote a better relationship with your customer and unfortunately doesn't focus on what you have to do in order to become that trusted advisor. Uh, Absolutely, because it's about delivering value, isn't it? It absolutely uh, is. Value, value, value in terms of, of measurable impact, right? Um, absolutely. And now, we're, we're going to go to a commercial break now, so let's, uh, let's come back to that measurable impact after the break. Absolutely, Chris. Thanks. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Rivez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of uh, BeMoreAchievemore.com. I'm uh, delighted to be with Bob Nichols right now. We're talking about trusted advisor status, and uh, we, we got uh, talking in the break. And I think an important question just to ask right now, Bob, is, you know, what do you think the cost to businesses of getting it wrong? Uh, it's significant, Chris. Yeah, you, you, I'll let the listeners do their own math, but... Let, let's just say that if we talk about the um, the average closing ratio of customers that we do business with when we initially uh, engage with them is less than 20%, which means that we're actually closing less than one in five proposals that we submit. Now, an, uh, a more appropriate closing ratio should be in the 40% range to 50% range, so just that in itself could double sales. That's a significant cost, right? The second challenge is the high cost of turnover. When someone fails... It, it, it's, not, it's not just that you lost sales because they were incompetent, because remember, they had to lose sales or not make sales because, before they were fired. Uh, it's also the high cost of turnover. You've got um, hiring new people. You've got them ramping up. You've got the investment that you've made in training and, and systems for those new people. And new people aren't productive for quite some time, so the cost can be absolutely incredible. Mm. Mm. And I suppose if you're a... If you're a, a small business with maybe only only a few people in it, that move from less than twenty percent to forty to fifty percent, particularly if you're somebody who is also doing delivery as well, um, right. then you know we're talking there about uh, significantly impre- increasing efficiency and potentially significantly increasing turnover. You're absolutely right. And what happens to a lot of entrepreneurs is they find themselves assuming the sales role when their salespeople fail. As a matter of fact, a lot of entrepreneurs grow businesses by their own personalities, going back to that, mm. that born salesperson routine. But when they try to grow, they hit the brick wall because they can't reproduce their personality for all their salespeople, right? So they flounder. Uh, and they and they end up turning over salespeople, end up doing it on their own again. And once again, if they're responsible for delivery, it, it just turns into a vicious circle. So the cost to an entrepreneur is really significant. Hmm. I'm interested to understand your view 
you know, we're now in 2012. And uh, when I was originally doing sales training, it was uh, back in the sort of 1990s. And I can remember, I think there's a very different attitude towards selling. And I'm just interested in what you think is the kind of modern sales approach, maybe how that might differ from traditioning selling methods that many listeners may have grown up with. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. It has changed significantly. If you think about sales training 20, 30 years ago, they were really a, a series of disjointed techniques. You know, um, you know, here's how you ask a right angle close, or here's a, a particular process or methodology for uh, for presenting features and functions like feature advantage benefit or feel felt found for as a technique for handling mm. objections and 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 it really literally they were called sales tricks as a matter of fact there are books that say here are the tricks to selling well selling isn't trickery it is a logical repeatable business process and the, and the thing we have to realize is the modern sales process is focused on what the customer is trying to accomplish with their business. It's not how to ask a trick close. It's not how to manipulate. It's how to help the customer make the best decision possible. You have to realize that most people, and I, and I hope this is true for most listeners, uh, don't want to be sold anymore. We, we, we really don't want to be pushed into or manipulated into a, into a decision. We'd far rather be taught how to buy how to make the best decisions possible for the money that we have to spend, right? I couldn't agree more. And I think, I think the value that sales key people can bring can be measured through the amount of trust they generate. You know, uh, and a trust has got to be, uh, certainly for me, if I'm dealing with a salesperson, creating trust and, and developing a relationship based on trust is, is so important. And if you're tricking people uh, and trying to trip them up, um, catching them off guard, uh, not being transparent, etc., then that is going to be counterproductive, isn't it? You're absolutely right. Uh, buyers are really aware of you know, sales techniques and trickery and manipulation. The idea is to make certain that everything we do is in the customer's best interest. And the customer has to see that everything we do is in their best interest. If you think about previous sales training that we've been exposed to, it's been all for the salesperson's benefit. You know, how to manipulate, how to close, you know, how to get your deal positioned, how do you get your products and services positioned to be number one. And while those all may be great outcomes, the process can't be focused on just the salesperson's benefit. It has to be solely focused on what helps the customer get to where they want to go with their business, period. Can we, let's move on now to really understand and fine-tune what we mean by uh, sales transformation and what we, what we mean as well by trusted advisor status. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll tell you, traditionally, increasing sales has meant finding ways in which companies uh, differentiate products and services, being faster, better, more feature-rich, cost-effective. Our differences that have, have driven product strategies, R&D efforts, marketing advertising campaigns, sales approaches, cloud, everything. It's been, it's been driven by that. Well, uh, I'm going to give you a quote by a guy named Simon Hayward, who was a VP and Gartner fellow. And here's what he says. You're going to find this interesting. It doesn't matter what products you buy. Most products are now good enough to serve the majority of users most of the time. I'm going to read that again slower. Mm. It doesn't matter what products you buy. Most products are now good enough to serve the majority of users most of the time. So I want you to think about this. Most products, especially those from the technology sector, do far more than the average customer could ever use. You know, product manuals are inches thick. Just the number of features and functions in some cases make them way too overwhelming for the average consumer to consider. So 
here's what we have to think about. It's no longer products and services that differentiate. It's, we can't all be Apple. We've got to find ways in which we become an asset. There, there's a company, Chris, called a CSO Insights, who defines a trusted partner as uh, a, a, an organization that is truly a strategic asset to their customers, that, 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 that have a way to make certain that they are focused as a partner with the customer. If you take a look at what all of us fought for for years, we used to all fight to become an approved vendor. An approved vendor is somebody who can meet the customer's needs, but there are no sustainable long-term differences. So now that we've heard Simon Hayward say most products are, are do enough, most service organizations look alike, what's left? Well, what's been left thus far has been lower pricing. So that's where, where margins erode, right? We differentiate by lowering our price a little bit more than our competitors. Well, the only thing left beyond price is for us to become the asset, us to be the trusted advisor, us to be the partner, which means that we have to translate the power of our products and services into significant and measurable impact on what our customers are trying to, to accomplish with their business. That's where we bring value. That's the only way we differentiate ourselves, not through our products and services, but through how we translate what we do into something meaningful for, for the customer. Fantastic. <clears throat> Fantastic. And I, I, this has sort of got me thinking there, Bob, as well, that maybe if you, are, if you are a salesperson in an organization or you're an entrepreneur with a, a great product or service and, and you are acting as, as a trusted advisor, there may be clients that you meet that if their behavior isn't also mutual and trusting and want to engage with you on, on a, a relationship that can really mutually help both of you, then you may not actually want to work with them. I recently had an example where I, I was working with a great client for a couple of days running a, a, a program for their board, and, and it was fabulous, lovely hotel. They gave me a lovely gift at the end of it to say thank you. The following day, I went to see a potential new client at the other end of the country. I don't think I was given a cup of tea. I was, uh, I was told information for the next sort of three or four hours, and I came away and decided I'm not going to work with you. <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> so it can be a two-way process too, can't it? Absolutely. You know, that's why we spend a whole lot of time qualifying opportunities. And when I say qualifying, it used to, the definition of a qualified prospect used to be things like, do they have the money? Can they make a decision? And if they have the money, can make the decision and have a need for your products and services, they're qualified. That's not the, the, the truth. The truth is, are you qualified to do the things they need to have done to prove that you're the best partner for their business, right? Are you qualified? If they're not going to allow you the information to determine whether or not you're qualified, it would be a disservice to try to work with them, right? Because all you could do is throw products and services to them in hopes that they're going to see something that they want to buy. That is a disservice to the customer. If they're not forthcoming, don't share with you their business problems, don't share with you what they're trying to accomplish with their organization, you can't be of service. And as a matter of fact, what happens in those situations is those organizations typically buy the lowest price. They're just simply getting information from all the vendors. They consider most of them to be equal. Now, Chris, how much is yours? Bob, how much is yours? We'll make the decision based on who can meet the need at the lowest price. That yeah. does not serve the customer well. And sometimes yeah. you do have to walk away. Yes. Uh, this, this, this was very interesting in that the uh, board and the company in question, what they wanted to do was stick a sticking plaster on their sales team, and they wanted somebody to come in and give them some training uh, to improve their sales performance, when I could see the reality was was that the board needed to change, and that they needed 
the board needed some needed guidance and needed help around you know vision and strategy and the issues were were up there at the top and I would have been doing a disservice taking their money and training their people because I knew it wasn't going to get the result yeah, um, absolutely so that's being a trust there's a trusted partner for you there you go so you know walked walked away and somebody apparently is doing the work at about a quarter of the price <laughs> so Good, good luck to them, but I'm not convinced it's going to work. So what um, difference financially do you think can becoming a trusted advisor make? Well, I'll give you some numbers, and I'm going to go back again to this uh, CSO Insights organization that, that continually surveys uh, hundreds if not thousands of chief sales officers, senior managers of organizations. And, and it, you'll find that, that, that 71% of companies not yet attaining trusted partner status with their customers use a random or informal sales process. In other words, they're not focused on a process that creates that trusted, uh, valued um, a relationship. Um, the, the 23% that, that had attained uh, had, had implemented a, a logical, repeatable process by which they, they treated their customers in a certain way and developed that trusted relationship. So if you think about it, the, the trusted partner in the survey, I want to say 90% of the companies who had achieved trusted partner status met their company plan. Uh, almost two-thirds of their salespeople made quota. Um, and, and those are astounding figures. Remember, I told you the average company, less than 50% of the companies are, 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 are salespeople are hitting their numbers. And if you're not a trusted advisor, as a matter of fact, the survey said that I believe something like 75% are at company plan. So it's pretty significant, to say mm. the least. Mm. We've got a, got a couple of minutes uh, only left, but I just wonder if you could maybe very quickly share some of your key recommendations for, for companies who think their sales performance is not where it should be. Absolutely. The first is to implement that logical, repeatable process by which you sell. That's really critical. Second, focus on changing the behaviors of you and your people. It's not just trying to produce numbers. It's actually producing the behaviors that have an impact on those numbers and those relationships. Uh, the third would be stop focusing on your products. Change the conversation to make certain when you walk into a customer's office, you're talking about their goals, their plans, their strengths, their weaknesses, challenges, and opportunities. Don't just go on with your axe, leave it in the car, and focus on your customer. Uh, fourth, don't just meet your customer's needs. That's not the way you become a trusted advisor. You have to go beyond the customer's needs to make sure you're having the gr greater impact on what they're trying to accomplish than their other alternatives. The last thing is transform your entire organization. It's not just one person who becomes a trusted advisor. It's your whole company. Fabulous. Well, what we'll do is we'll, we'll look at some of those elements in further detail um, after the commercial break. So let's go to commercial break now. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? 
Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of BeMoreAchievemore.com and delighted to be talking to Bob Nichols about trusted advisor status. And, and hopefully by now, um, anybody who maybe is, you know, you're sitting there thinking about actually how could I gain trusted advisor status or maybe how can I extend that further into perhaps all of my uh, key clients and our business offering. Um, I hope this is convincing you of that. And I think Bob has shared some you know, statistics and some information that I think uh, are very, very, very convincing. Now, what I, Bob did do before the break is he talked about five key recommendations for companies you know, about um, thinking about improving their sales performance. And that these are really the key steps to achieving trusted advisor status. I think, I think, Bob, the first one I just noted down was the importance of a logical, repeatable process by which you sell. Would you like to expand on that for us? Right. Um, absolutely. <clears throat> we have the challenge of making certain that when we approach our customers, that experience is consistent. Once again, we don't transform when just one person in the organization uh, treats their customers differently or becomes a trusted advisor. It's when the entire organization does so. So if you have inconsistent ways in which you approach your customers, unfortunately, those relationships develop in the same way, very inconsistently. So the process needs to be focused on making certain that what happens between your organization and your customer is consistent from person to person, from sale to sale, and by the way, for the life of the relationship. Okay, so so I guess you know that process then becomes part of the brand. Absolutely, and- <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> As a matter of fact, when you engage with a customer, the selling process can actually be one of your differentiators. How we approach our customers is different from what you're going to see from other salespeople, right? We have clearly defined, and by the way, this is really interesting. You're going to find that if you implement the right logical, repeatable business process, sales process, it is less a process of selling but more a process for how a customer makes the best decision possible. That really has to be the focus of the process. It's not selling. It is helping the customer make the best decision possible. Your process has to do that. Uh, Fantastic. And uh, and I guess through that process, then, the process can also help your customer maybe, you know, define and understand his own problem better than when you enter the room. Yeah, absolutely. This is really interesting because in a lot of cases, 
um, the customer has problems that they're unaware that we can solve. In other words, they see an axe in our hand and they assume that all we can do is chop trees. And that's not the case with a lot of our organizations. We can be very creative as entrepreneurs if we expand the breadth and depth of our understanding of what, of what the customer is trying to accomplish. So, so that process in and of itself, or the process sales process, has to help the customer and you come to the realization there are many problems they have that we can't address that they didn't expect we could. Hmm. Your next point was about focusing on changing the behaviors of you and also your people. Yeah, absolutely. It's not about producing more numbers, even though obviously producing numbers can be a behavior, right? Put out more proposals. But it literally is making certain that on a day-to-day basis, we're examining our behaviors and identifying gaps between what we're doing now versus what we want to be doing. As an example, if we're seeing our salespeople walk in with their acts or walk in with their product and have that conversation, we're seeing a behavior that doesn't promote good relationships, that trusted partner status with our customers. So when we watch that gap in behavior, we need to go back to the office and make certain we we, we remind them of the behaviors necessary to become that trusted advisor. Over time, by the way, and and, and this is a, a real important point, you can't expect to transform overnight. Behaviors take time to change. So if I'm asking somebody to put down their axe, I've got to first of all understand and create the process by which they don't use their axe any longer, but watch their behaviors to close any gaps between where they are versus where they need to be. Great. So what, what, we're, what we're doing in doing this consistently is creating a, a high-performing sales culture. Is that right? That is absolutely correct. Where, where, by the way, and this is the important part, once again, going back to this fundamental point of, of sales process. When you have a sales process, it cre- helps create that common culture because now we can talk about sales in a very logical way. In other words, we all know the information required by the process. We all know what the process is. So even senior managers who are aware of what the process is can communicate with a junior rep in the field because, once again, we have that foundation. Plato teaches that the beginning of wisdom is the definition of terms. So if I'm trying to become a wise organization, the first thing I do is define the terms for salespeople. Define what that process is. That's the beginning of wisdom. So it does create that culture, absolutely. And and I think what you're articulating is it's very important to have this set of behaviors defined because they may not always be the natural behaviors of salespeople, uh, sales managers, people who are that the sales function automatically um, reports into may not they may some of them may include I guess some of their blind spots which could be around detail around systems and processes but, but by actually defining it everybody gets to know what's expected and starts to have a consistent view of what the behaviors need to be you're absolutely right and since you mentioned systems I'm gonna throw something in here real quick you know it's <laughs> real important it's real important that if you look at Salesforce automation or customer relationship management that your sales process is tightly integrated into those systems right so when I when I'm teaching sales people to behave in a certain way that includes collecting retaining and managing that information so if my Salesforce automation programs or customer relationship management programs aren't in concert with my sales process it falls apart mm. Mm, I can, I can see that, and, and and salespeople by definition are often because they are very focused on people, and often their what's the word their orientation isn't towards systems and detail. That thing can slip by, but that information is so useful and valuable, isn't it? 
It's an asset. Absolutely. Absolutely. My system should include. Now, I'll tell you what. If you look at a lot of SFA programs, Salesforce automation programs, you're not going to find feels for the customer's business goals or their business plans or their strengths or their weaknesses or their challenges and opportunities. And that really leads us to the discussion of the third point uh, I, I made about stop focusing on your products and changing the conversation. Our customer relationship management programs and SFA programs should be filled with where my customers now with their business goals, not related to my products, just where they are as a business, what the gaps are between where, where they are versus where they want to be, how they measure success. If I look at most Salesforce automation programs and customer relationship management programs, you're not going to find that invaluable information in those programs. And that is a disservice to your customer, right? Completely. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> so, so the so the fourth point you made was about don't just meet your customers' needs. I think that was about exceeding them. Exactly yeah. right. This is interesting because if you take a look at um, typical sales methodology, what we're taught there, there's been a methodology, Chris, called need satisfaction selling, and frankly, it's a disservice to both salespeople and customers. Now, the, the general assumption of, of, or the premise of, of need satisfaction selling is quite simple. That is, you have to go in and identify that your customer needs what you have to sell. And I get that. Of course they have to need. Eventually, you have to figure that out. But once again, if you go in simply meeting the customer's needs, here's what happens. As, as Simon Hayward said, if you've got three or four organizations competing for the same piece of business, all three or four companies are going to find a way to meet the customer's needs in some way, shape, or form. They're all going to do it. So when the customer sees all their needs met by all three or four companies, the only differentiating factor is going to be price. And there go your margins and your relationships, right? Yeah. So, so it has to go beyond that. We have, have to help the customer understand there can be better solutions, not just one that meets their needs, but one that has greater impact, which is why we go back to understanding their business first. It's not just meeting their needs. It's finding ways in which your solution has greater measurable impact on what they're trying to accomplish. Stop meeting the customer's needs. Find ways in which you have greater impact on your, your competitors. That's how you develop that relationship. Fantastic. An exercise that I'm sure that you probably do with your work is really understanding about the values that uh, your customer has. And I find this fascinating. I did a transformational project with an insurance group, and I remember talking to a, a group of salespeople, uh, business development managers, and they were saying, you know, the most important need is price. And <laughs> it's about, about commission. And, and actually, when we did an exercise to understand how to articulate values and find out what was important to uh, the end customer, and then I got some of them to go out and actually test that, um, the, the commission element came out as number six. <laughs> Isn't that something else? <laughs> On the average. So they've been, they've been selling to the wrong thing. They've been going in, actually, and, and actually positioning themselves as a commodity. <laughs> Exactly right. And it's, it's just amazing. As you go back to this trusted advisor versus this uh, approved vendor, the logic here is that people will pay more for products and services that they buy from people who they believe in, who they trust, who they know has their best interests in mind always. They can switch approved vendors anytime they want, right? Which is why uh, we have such a churn with, with some of our, our, our businesses where we lose customers. It's far, more, it's far easier to, to, to change an approved vendor than to lose a trusted partner. If I become an asset, if I become that partner, if I bring strategic value, it's really hard to lose me, right? And by the way, people are willing to pay significantly more for that value, that relationship. Yeah. 
Brilliant. So you, the final point was about transforming your entire business and your organization actually becoming the partner. Yeah, tell me a bit more. Right. A lot of people believe that sales transformation is a field-level effort. You know, if they have an organization that has some hierarchy that, that uh, if I do sales training, it happens at the salesperson level. And as a matter of fact, we've even had some organizations say that they didn't want to train their sales management. That couldn't be more wrong, right? <laughs> that, that if I'm going to transform my company to the trusted partner status or get them to the trusted partner status, my entire organization has to assume that role. It's not just when one – frankly, a lot of people who are listening – already have salespeople who are trusted advisor to their customers, right? They already have one or two or three or four, right? But ultimately, the entire organization has to assume that role. So I'm going to make a pretty bold statement and say that if I'm implementing a sales process in my organization, everyone who touches the sales process should go through it. That means field-level salespeople, sales management, if I've got middle management, all the way to senior management. You can't measure, you can't you can't evaluate performance with something that has not been defined. So my senior managers can't manage the middle managers. The middle managers can't manage the sales managers or field-level field salespeople because if they haven't defined the process, they, they wouldn't know what to look for. So when we work with organizations to transform their sales effort, it's not a field-level endeavor. It is a field-level all the way to sales, senior management endeavor. I think you raise at such an important point, and 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 sometimes if you know that that could go you know as far as not just the sales teams. I, I remember working with an organisation which was a, it was again in the in the uh, insurance sector, and actually by putting their underwriters through a sales process, which initially they said, you know, we're not salespeople, we're underwriters, we don't sell. However, they were having such contact with the end customer that in many instances they were more of the trusted advisor than the salesperson was. So we put them all through it together. We called it uh, collaborative trading, I think it was, to just take this negativity the underwriters had out about sales. But when they came through the whole process, they could see the great value that they also contribute uh, to the and selling Absolutely. They, we, we, once again, we all have to assume that role. Anybody who's customer-facing has to be aware of what we need to do in order to maintain that trusted partner status. Actually, people who are in customer service can have a dramatic impact. Obviously, uh, if they've been sold a particular, in a particular way and, and we become that trusted partner, a customer service organization can blow it, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, they don't appear to be that trusted advisor, and, they, and the customer can feel like they've been sold something that they didn't get. Yeah. Uh, completely, completely. And we're going to go to commercial break again, and after the commercial break, we shall continue talking with Bob. Keep right there, Chris. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How can we Americans realize our dreams to earn a living? How can you pursue your dream and make money as an owner or an employee? 
Learn how at The American Business Person, the online weekly radio talk show hosted by Rich Killian. Today's business leaders share how to succeed and what fails. If you own a new or established business or ever hope to, you must tune in. Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Central, and noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Or listen on demand to our archived shows. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper uh, talking about trusted advisor status with uh, Bob Nichols Jr. of Axiom Salesforce Development. And I'm finding this conversation absolutely fascinating, uh, Bob. And I'm I'm just sensed with you that there's so much energy and passion uh, and depth and wisdom uh, behind what you're saying. And I'm just interested, you know, you seem to be personally on a mission here. Um, you know, why, why does this fuel you so much? Uh, I got a funny story for you, Chris. When I first got into sales, I didn't want to admit I was a salesperson. I didn't want to be connected to the profession. Frankly, if you ask uh, people outside the profession the reputation of the uh, average salesperson, it's not very positive. As a matter of fact, we, we have a, a, a thing we do in a classroom where we ask for people to give us all their attributes as salespeople. And we get things like, you know, trusting, good listener, um, a good relationship builder. We get all these positive traits. Then we ask them what they believe the characteristics they would hear if they, uh, they would hear if they've in fact asked somebody outside the classroom. And you get things like liar, cheat, manipulator, and so on. So um, the, the, my first mission is to bring honor to this incredible profession. I, I truly believe that good salespeople are equal to good doctors, scientists, architects. I want to make certain we bring honor. This is a phenomenal profession to be really, really good at it. You have to realize, by the way, salespeople, the top salespeople, are some of the top income earners in the world. And they don't do that, by the way. People who do that consistently don't do that by being cheaters and liars and manipulators. They couldn't sustain those types of relationships to make that amount of money. Those people have to be really, really good at what they do, really good at what they do. The only way they do that is to make that connection, become that trusted partner, have people believe in them, right? I want to to, to make certain that everyone has the opportunity to, to, to have that honor in this profession. The, 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 the second thing is, and I think I mentioned this earlier, Chris, that, that as we grow older, we realize in our lives that the amount of money we put in our pocket is related to the amount of impact we have on other people's lives. It, 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 is, it is finding ways in which we impact others. In business, I think I said this, it, the, the amount of commissions that you make or the money you make is directly r- related to the depth and breadth of the impact you have on other people. So that is also my driving desire. I, I have this driving desire to make certain I'm finding ways in which I have significant positive impact on people's lives. So it is, it is a passion without question. Fabulous. And you know, that fits so well with the, um, with the philosophy of this show because the show is really about you know, following your passion and uh, – you know, making a big difference in the world through what you do, and right. you know, ideally, the money flows through doing that, and then that enables you to grow your business, um, generate uh, profits, and be able to add value to more people in more ways. So, um, thank you for sharing that. It was really, really great. Um, You're very well. I, I, 
I just I know you work a lot with big companies, and I just wondered if you've got any more sort of thoughts for the small business entrepreneur. Um, you know, actually, to put this in perspective, I began this uh, business 22 years ago working with small businesses, entrepreneurs, and eventually got the attention of larger and larger businesses, so where we, we now break into the Fortune 20, right? But uh, this process was actually built for the entrepreneur, and I'll tell you, becoming a trusted partner and advisor is probably more critical for the entrepreneur than it is for the large company. I, you know, large companies sometimes on their own momentum can continue to build sales. They have the, the, uh, the capitalization to, to bring new products to market, right? They have the capitalization uh, to be able to, 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 to trim margins on occasion, right? Entrepreneurs don't. Um, it, it's incredibly critical for them to make certain that they become that partner to be able to compete with some of the larger providers, right? So everything we've talked about, is as appropriate, if not more appropriate, the entrepreneurs it is for large business. Great, great. And uh, do you have? I mean, what are your recommendations right now for anybody who's listening who thinks that their sales performance is not where it should be? What, what should they? What should they do? Well, you know, the, the first thing we've talked about this so many times during this conversation, but it couldn't be more critical, is to define that logical, repeatable process by which you sell. I, I keep repeating it over and over again because it couldn't, it couldn't be more important. And once again, that process has to be focused on everything you know your customer needs to know to make the best decision possible. So that, that couldn't be more important. You know, that, that focuses you on becoming that trusted partner and advisor. Make sure everything you do is in the customer's best interest. And remember, when you begin to transform your organization, you have to do it in small steps, too. You know, an entrepreneur who's listening on the, on the call today uh, couldn't, couldn't go out and change everything tomorrow. It has to be small, incremental steps. You know, finding little ways in which you become better partners. Don't try to change everything tomorrow because you'll surely fail. Um, you know, another reminder, change the conversation with your customer. I've mentioned this many, many times, but it couldn't be more important. Forget about what you're selling. Focus on what they're trying to accomplish. Um, Pay it forward. You know, especially you're a successful entrepreneur, you're building your business, pay that forward. Find ways in which you unpack others. Find ways in which you impact your customers' lives and their business in positive ways. Mm. <clears throat> so so give, give us some examples of that. Um, well, I'll tell you, uh, a lot of cases we have what we call direct impact on a customer's business, and that's where you know we show up with our acts, and there's a particular need that the customer has, a particular tree that needs to be chopped, so we go chop that tree. It's it's that that's a, that's a great thing. But in a lot of cases, we have ways in which we indirectly impact uh, a customer's business. As an example, let's say you're not a marketing company, but you realize through conversation with your customer that they have a new campaign to. Um, uh, to enhance the image to their customers through some marketing campaign. Well, you're not a marketing company, so it w you would assume that you would have no impact. But if you have a product or service that can help them protect image in other ways, right, that means that they, s they protect the investment they make in their marketing campaign by using your product and service to make certain that that, that, that image is protected that they're developing with the, with the campaign. You understand what I'm saying? Hmm. So in a lot of cases, just me understanding what they're trying to accomplish with their business allows me to find impact or uh, areas of impact in, in ways we, we would have never imagined, right? Yes. Yes. So, so being, being aware of, of what is important to them as an organization and being prepared to contribute to that. And I suppose you know, sometimes it's the, it's the things that you do for free, you know the things that the added value that you give, maybe you know reports, documents you 
you send to people that you know are it will have interest to them because that's an important topic right now. You know, just little things can sometimes make a difference, can't they? Um, I'm going to I'm going to take a step out here. Watch this. So this is this is incredible. <laughs> we're going to think about that. That in some cases, my sales process will reveal to both me and my customer that we're not the best solution for their particular problems. Yeah. Right. But yeah. what I've done is I've given them a process by which they evaluate solutions so that they come to the best decision possible. So I may lose this sale, but gain other sales later because we've given them the value of a process by which they make the best decision possible. We leave shaking hands knowing that we've done best by the customer and having helped them make the best decision possible even if they didn't buy from me. Yeah. That's, a trusted par- that's a trusted partner. Yeah, I recently got asked if I was interested in speaking at a sales event by a client. And when I heard the subject, I said, actually, um, I think the best thing I can do is continue to do the work that I'm doing with your board. And um, let's find somebody else who is more appropriate for that particular situation. Um, I didn't want to go and, and do that event and not deliver at the highest level and say, say I could. And what I did is said, I'd, I'll help you find somebody. So I you know, helped them find somebody. I didn't gain anything from it, but I certainly gained a lot of respect from them um, for doing it. And I think, uh, I think it was a good move. Yeah, a- absolutely. That's bringing value to the customer. And by the way, here's the problem. If your sales process is manipulative and you end up selling somebody something that they could have gotten from someone else and had greater impact, they eventually figure that out, right? Yes. They eventually figure it out. And that's why a lot of salespeople fail. Their, their manipulative sales processes and their inability to deliver end up biting them eventually, Brilliant. right? Fantastic. Bob, I'm going to have to cut us short. Um, absolutely fascinating talking to you. Um, to find out more about Bob Nichols Jr., go to um, www.axiomsfd.com. Um, just to let you know, on next week's show, we have Kathy O'Dowd. Kathy is the only woman to climb Everest from both north and south faces and will talk to us about reaching new heights. Uh, this is going to be an amazing show, uh, and I can assure you she's absolutely fascinating and brilliant at talking about teams and leadership and those sorts of things. So do join us. Any questions or feedback, please send to info at, at com. And please do go in now and like the, the Facebook page at facebook.com slash bemoreachievemore, and we'll share information. Bob Nichols, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Chris, thank you so much. The pleasure was all mine. I had a blast. Thank you. So I hope we do it again soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And uh, speak to you soon. And speak to you all again next week with Kathy O'Dowd. We thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com.